0: welcome church, thank you for joining in today. I'm so excited about what God is doing in our hearts and our lives. We've come today to focus on Him. He is our rock and our refuge. He is our hope and our salvation. He is our joy and our peace. And in the midst of COVID in the midst of all the things that have been kind of stripped away in our lives, and we've come today to focus on what really matters and what really lasts, and that is God and family and church and community in the depth of God's love and God's grace for you and for me. And we stand in awe of Him. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called We the Church. And we're talking about what it means to be the church today. And I can't think of a more appropriate series for us. With everything that's going on in our world, we need hope and we need help. And that's why God called us to be the church. And so we're going back and looking at that first church there in Acts. And we're seeing how they lived it out in their day and their time and their generation and seeing how God's called us to live it out today. Now, just a quick review, kind of where we are in this series, right? We know that God sent His one and only Son, Jesus. And Jesus came, He lived 33 sinless years on this earth, right? And then He went to the cross for us, paid the price that we should have paid, and died for us. What incredible grace. But the grave couldn't keep Jesus in the ground. Oh no, Jesus conquered death and He rose again. And Jesus then appeared to over 500 people after his resurrection. And he appears to his disciples 40 days after his resurrection and he brings them together and he says, guys, listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Go live it out. Go live out all these things that I've poured into you and that I've taught you. And then Jesus ascends into heaven and the disciples are kind of looking like, well, what do we do now, right? Right? And they go back to Jerusalem, and there they are, 120 believers gathered together. And 10 days later, after Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit comes on every one of them in the church. And the church comes to life. And they go out at Pentecost and start telling everybody about Jesus and the hope that they have in Christ. And 3,000 people accept Christ. And the church is alive and flourishing, and God's moving in a powerful way. And we've seen how the church started to grow and how they loved one another and they loved their community, how they met together in the temple courts on Sundays, right? And the Jews would gather on Sabbath, on Shabbat, on Saturdays, and here come the Christians on Sundays and they'd have big church and worship together just like we do, right? And then they would meet in homes and have community groups and they would break bread and they would share life together throughout the week. They were doing church and being the church and God was moving in a mighty way. And that's what we see today. Today, we see how the church continued to grow and God called them to organize. God called them to have wisdom and to continue to flourish as the church. And God's calling you and me as his church today to be men and women after his heart and to be the hands and feet of Christ. So let's dive in. Hey, if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you open with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Wow, Acts, New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels all talking about Jesus. And then we come to Acts. Stands for Acts of the Apostles, but as we've seen, it's the act of the Holy Spirit working through the church. And we saw that Luke, the gospel of Luke, is kind of volume one and all talking about Jesus and his miracles. And then we come to Acts, which is volume two, and it's the church and what God is doing there. And so we pick up here in Acts chapter 6. And let's see as the church is growing and expanding what happens. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, right, the church was growing. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. All right, a couple of things I want you to see here. One, look at this. They were doing a daily distribution of food. How awesome is that? Right? The church was serving. The church was looking around and meeting needs and and giving out food to those who were hungry. Second, look at they were serving widows. Widows. Now, widows were the most vulnerable people back then. Right? I mean, women had very little rights. And so here they come and they they take care of a widow because if her husband was gone or their family, hey, they stepped in and said, we're going to care for you. We're going to take care of you. I love that. James 1.27 says, the kind of religion that God sees as pure and faultless is this, is to take care of widows and orphans in their distress. And that's what we do as a church, right? Through Justice and Mercy International, taking care of orphans, and in our own community, taking care of widows, taking care of people. They were doing it great. They were living it. But I also want you to see this. (laughs) There was some complaining, okay? (laughs) The first time that we see this, a little bit of complaining happening in the church, right? And it was the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And it was kind of a cultural thing. You know, the Hebraic Jews were the ones that were there in Jerusalem. They'd been there the whole time. They were real conservative, uh, grown up going to the temple all the time. The Hellenistic Jews, the Grecian Jews, they had kind of grown up outside of Jerusalem. They're a little bit more progressive. And now they're all there in the church together. And the Hellenistic Jews were complaining, hey, our widows are being overlooked, Now, we don't know if this was real. We don't know if this was perceived. We don't know, but we know that there was a little bit of complaining and dissension that was happening there in the church. You see, guys, no church is perfect, right? No church is perfect, not even the early church, right? Because we're all made up of imperfect people. But look how they handled it. I love this. Verse two, so the 12, that's the apostles, right? The 12 gathered all the disciples together. Now, notice that. Everybody in the church was called a disciple. A disciple means a learner, right? A follower of Jesus. So they gather all the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So the the apostles come together and go, man, you are right. We need to do this, but, but we can't do it. We don't have the time to do it. So brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Brilliant. I love this. You see the apostles come along and go, guys, this is important. We need to take care of widows. We need to serve the needs of people around us. But man, we also have to have time to prepare. We've got to preach sermons, right? We need to pray. We've got all this. We can't do it all. So hey, Let's call out some other people and let's allow them to have that responsibility and to serve. Amazing. And so we see that, the, that it's multiplied. The work is multiplied now. It's not just the 12 trying to do everything. I remember when we started as a church at Rolling Hills 17 years ago. And I remember, you know, as the church started to grow and it, it was me and I was trying to do everything and we, and we had, you know, people here and, and I couldn't keep up. And I remember getting so tired and thinking, man, I can't do this, right? I mean, you're trying to preach on Sundays and counseling and weddings and and funerals and you're trying to student ministry and budgets and and all this and and praise God, there was a guy who came and said, Jeff, hey, you need help, right? We need to call out some people in the church. We need to raise up some people. And by God's grace, man, that's where the church started to flourish. People stepping in and using their gifts, people coming alongside. Guys, if you look at this, You kind of see God's math, right? God's all about addition. He added the Holy Spirit in the church, right? The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. He's all about multiplication. You know, the the number of disciples kept increasing. 120 in Acts 1, 3,000 in Acts 3, right? And all of a sudden in Acts 4, there's 5,000 men. I mean, you're just seeing this growth there. He's about even subtraction. If you go back to Acts 5, Kelly did a great job talking about Ananias and Sapphira last week, and and just this call for God's church and integrity in our own lives. But God's not about division. He's not about division. And he comes along and says, hey guys, we want unity in the church. And look at this, verse five. This proposal pleased the whole group. Everybody's like, yeah, brilliant. This is great. So look, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also Philip and Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. I love how they called out these guys, right? And they chose these guys. And if you notice, they chose these guys who were among them. They didn't outsource the ministry. They didn't go outside and say, well, hey, we can get somebody else to do this. It was people who were among them. It was disciples that were in the church. And they were men full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. And these guys stepped up. Now, if you notice something, too, a lot of these names are Greek names. And so the people who were complaining, right, the Hellenistic Jews were complaining. They were saying, hey, our widows are being overlooked. And the apostles go, well, okay, you step in and help. You see a need, you meet it. I love that here at Rolling Hills. You know, people will come along and say, hey, I think we can do this ministry or I think we can jump in and help here. And a lot of times we go, okay, well, you take and run with it. You know, you get some people and organize and and do it. And people do it better than we could have imagined. And you watch people use their gifts. I love that they prayed over them, right? And they blessed them as a church and commissioned them. And now look at verse seven. So, notice that, so, The word of God spread, direct correlation. Them multiplying the ministry, calling people out. The word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. How awesome is that, right? These Jewish priests who are over at the temple and they look over and they see these regular, ordinary people in the church serving and they're like, God's with them. I want to be a part of that. Let's go. And these priests came over and started joining the church. Unbelievable. If you look now, you know, this chapter, it's only 15 verses, but so powerful. Look, it says, now Stephen, and it picks up on one of these guys, one of these Acts 6 guys right here. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called. Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. And they began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the spirit gave him as he spoke. They couldn't stand up. I mean, this guy was so full of what God was doing in him. And he was a man of patience and kindness and peace. And look, it says, then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. They persuaded people to say that. They brought opposition there. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized Stephen, and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stops speaking against the holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So they bring Stephen, and they put him in front of the Sanhedrin, 70 men, these Jewish religious leaders, right? And look at this in verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Wow. That was an A6 guy right there. That was an Acts 6 guy. We're going to find out more next week what God does through him. And it is so powerful. You don't want to miss next week. But I believe there's some incredible truths for us today as we unpack Acts chapter 6. So if you're taking notes, maybe you're on the Rolling Hills app or you got a place to write down some notes, write some of these things down. Number one is this. Hey, there are challenges to growth. Guys, there are challenges to growth, right? We all know that in our lives, you know, as we grow up, whereas as our families expand, as, you know, we need, hey, another room on the house, or, you know, oh my goodness, we need another car. There's challenges to growth. There were challenges in the church. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, so the church is growing, it's expanding. And the Hellenistic Jews among them, they complained against their brave Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the ministry is growing. This feeding ministry, this taking care of people who are in need. And there was a challenge there. The church is made up of imperfect people serving a perfect God. And guys, I want you to think about that, right? Sometimes people come and they go, oh man, you know, the church today is just not, you know, like what it used to be. You yeah, know, well, they still had challenges then, you know, okay? So don't miss that. There is no perfect church. In fact, if you're out looking for the perfect church, I'll just save you time. It's not here, right? Nobody is perfect. No church in the world is perfect. Why? Because we're all imperfect. We're made up of imperfect people. You know, as you come to church, right, and you commit your life to Christ, you are growing in your faith. But people come in at all different spiritual levels. And people are coming in with a worldly mindset of, hey, me first, and what's in it for me? And it takes time for God. It's called sanctification, right? It takes time for God to transform us into this like-mindedness of Christ. And so we're in that process, so no church is perfect. But hey, we're serving a perfect God. And God says, be holy because I am holy. And so as a church, we're all pursuing the Lord. We ought to be all heading in that direction. Notice this one. The church addressed the problem and fixed it. I love that. I love that. That's maturity, right? That's maturity. There was a problem, and whether it was perceived or whether it was real, hey, let's address it, let's fix it. You know, there's some people that just bounce from church to church to church, right? Oh, it's over here. They're like, yeah, come on now, that's immaturity, right? And there's a challenge in it. You step in, you address it and you fix it. That's what families do. That's the family of God. And I love that model right here. Hey, we could be better. We could do more ministry. And it wasn't like the apostles go, okay, well then let's just stop growing, Right, we got enough people, we're fine. No, they're like, this is the call. People need the Lord. People need help. They need hope. Let's figure out how to fix this in a way to expand the ministry and grow what God is doing. Hey, don't be a part of the problem. Be a part of the solution, you know? And I love that. Sometimes people can be complainers, right? Don't be a complainer, be a doer. Hey, how can I help? How can I step in? What can I do? And that was the attitude of the church. And that's the attitude here. And that's what we see as people locking arms and joining in. You know, there's this verse here in Proverbs chapter six, and it tells us there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. And you can go read Proverbs chapter six. These are the things God hates. And it's haughty eyes, right? Pride, it's lying tongue. But the last one, number seven, it says this. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Wow, it's pretty strong, right? But, but God's saying, I love my church. You're a family. There's gonna be challenges. Figure out how to work it out. Figure out how to be together in this. Prioritize God and people. Prioritize God and people, right? The apostle said, we gotta give our time to ministry of the word, to teaching and to prayer but hey, we also know we need to minister to people. And so how do we multiply that? How do we prioritize? Let's see a need and let's meet it. Let's be people who are active and doers, not just consumers, contributors for the glory of God. All right, number two, number two, leadership in the church is marked by service. Leadership in the church is marked by service. You know, sometimes we come in with this worldly mindset, like, you know, as expanded leadership, I have more people to serve me. No, 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 no. In the church, as you expand the leadership, we serve more, right? We're the ones that are called to be the heads and feet of Christ. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we'll turn this responsibility over to them. Hey, we're gonna let them do it, man. We're gonna let them live it out. We're gonna let them take charge here. They organize the church in order to do greater ministry work. I love that. You know, sometimes people go, "Well, I just don't like organized religion." Kind of like, "Well, do you like disorganized religion?" I mean, like, you know, do you like uh, to go to your workplace and it's disorganized? No. Do you like your kid's school? Do you want it disorganized? Right. You know, hospital. Hey, I like a disorganized hospital. No. And as a church, we have the greatest calling of all. I mean, we're the ones to share the love and the grace of God. We ought to be doing it better than any body. Hey, you know what? They organized in order to do more effective ministry. The goal was to grow people deeper in their relationship with God. That was their goal. How can we help people mature? How can we help people become all that God intends for them to be? And so... Let's expand the ministry. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter four. This is so powerful. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, okay? So Christ calls out people. Now think about this for a moment. Every person in the church has a calling on your life. You are called to do ministry. God has given you the Holy Spirit and you have different gifts, right? But there's some people that Christ calls out to be leaders in the church, right? Apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers, why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The whole reason God calls out a church staff is why? To equip his people for works of service so that we can all be better together, so we can be more effective and more efficient, that we can make a greater difference for the glory of God, that's why. And this is so that the body of Christ may be built up. Hey, I want Rolling Hills to reach its full potential. But in order to do that, that means all of us are serving in some capacity. All of us are using the gifts God's given us to further his kingdom and for his glory. Beautiful passage. These were the first deacons in the church. You you guys maybe you grew up in a church, man, you knew there were deacons in the church, right? And, and they, were, they were people who just were in leadership, but man, they always helped out. They certainly were nice. They were kind. This comes from Acts chapter six. This is how God wants to grow his church. Here at Rolling Hills, I remember when uh, we first started out and I told you I was tired and worn out. And a guy came to me and said, Jeff, look at Acts chapter six. We need some men to step up. And so we called and there were, three guys that said yes I'll help out I'll jump in and these guys were amazing they just jumped in and started to serve and to help out and then we we saw as the church continued to grow hey we needed some more men and more men stepped up and stepped out and and the church continued to grow and more men stepped up and stepped out and you know today at Rolling Hills with our three campuses we have 72 men who are part of our A6 team that's from Acts chapter 6 72 men who they're Calling is to pray, to care, to serve. It is awesome what God's doing through them. I tell you the other day when the storms came, there was, there was an elderly couple and a tree fell down on their house and their car. And, and we made a couple of phone calls and, and these A6 guys went over with chainsaws and helped this couple. You know, and, and they they pray through every prayer request. They they see needs and they meet it. They're taking food, they're helping out. Do you know every time you turn a prayer request in? There's an A6 guy who prays over that. There's a staff who prays as well, but man, there's A6 guys who pray. And I want you to see just a story of one of those prayer requests and how God created a relationship there from an A6 guy in our church to a family and the difference that it made. Watch this.
1: Hi, I'm James. This is my wife, Bernadette. We're the Adams family. Uh, We started coming to Rolling Hills uh, probably January of 2018. We have three children, Anna, Parker, and Crystal. Parker is our natural son. Uh, Anna and Crystal, we adopted, they're really our nieces. We decided to come in to uh, Roland Hills. Crystal had just um, been diagnosed for a third time with brain cancer. Uh, The third time was uh, a different type of cancer, um, for the most part terminal. So uh, things had just gotten really really tough. Members of Roland Hills were just very supportive for us. We joined a, a Burhart community group, uh, which is wonderful. You know, people would reach out, um, email us, said, we saw your prayer request, we're praying for you. Got an email from Brett McCreary in A6. We had just uh, been told Uh, we should put Crystal in the hospice um, so super low point Brett is a cancer sur- survivor himself mm-hmm. agreed to meet with uh, Brett after service one day and him and uh, Sharon prayed over us they continued to reach out to us um, Sharon would come and just take Crystal out on her own. and
0: She would just call out of the blue. She would just come over and she says, I don't want to do anything. I just want to sit with you guys and maybe we can watch a movie. And then of course, she was also encouraging me to join the gathering with Kelly Minster and um, Lynn Hendricks also, and they s- said that uh, it'd be great, it'd be nice. And at the last minute, I did. It's just a wonderful feeling that there are women also that also reaches out to me.
1: I went to the Men's Retreat and uh, Brett was uh, one of the organizers and offered to drive me there. We were able to build that type of relationship, it was fun, it was uh, enriching and just a wonderful wonderful experience to have met them and, and bring them into our lives. Rolling Hills says the church is the people, right? So it's not religion, it's relationships. God is putting those uh, resources and people to build that relationship with. And there are many people who will reach out and will, uh, will prop you up and bring you to the Lord and, 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 and get you through hard times if you just open up your heart.
0: You know, that's ministry. And it's not the staff doing that or just the you know, 12 apostles. It's, it's all of us working together and serving together. And I love that. Now, if you go into Romans, in Romans chapter 16, it talks about Phoebe, who's a deaconess. And we have so many women who serve in our church in so many ways, right? We got Titus 2 Moms. We got all these different people who serve and women on our staff. It's great. And, and over the coming months, you're gonna see more and more. We're gonna have a C3 women's team who just serves the needs of the body. You'll be hearing more about that. But it's all under this umbrella of servant leadership. You know, if you're in the church, you know, and you're a leader, it's a call to serve. It's a call to make a difference. All right, check this out. Number three, God is not about division in his church. Be sure to know that God is not about division in his church. I love this. This proposal pleased the whole group. You know, everybody came in and was unified on this. There is a call to unity in God's church. You know, Psalm 133 talks about how beautiful it is when God's people live together in unity. It's just this beautiful thing, and that's, that's where we all come together as the church. Uh, You know, guys, we live in this world of division, don't we? We live in a world of racism, and it makes me angry, I gotta tell you. Innocent people dying of a race, and it's just heartbreaking. Uh, we live in a world of division, whether it's politics, or whether it's, you know, gender, and there's a gender gap, equal pay for equal work, and, or whether it's socioeconomic and the haves and the have-nots, and, and yet what you find is that's the world. What you find in God's church should be unity. Unity, right? All of us, different backgrounds, different experiences, all of us coming together to serve, we have one calling and one purpose. Uh, the other day, uh, a news media uh, station in town called and wanted to do an interview and, and they asked, they said, well, we wanna to talk to you about when you're gonna reopen the church. And I thought about it for a moment and I thought, you know what, the church never closed. <laughs> I mean, you talk about reopening, the church never closed. I mean, through COVID and all this stuff, the church has been more alive than ever before. I mean, we're seeing generosity unleashed. We're seeing people come to know Christ left and right. People need hope and need help. The church never closed. Now, I know what they were talking about, right? And you do too, right? When are we gonna get back together and open the buildings? We closed our all three campuses. We closed our buildings to help in our community, to help flatten the curve. Uh, but now as things are starting to reopen, right? Restaurants are reopening, businesses reopening. They're talking about when do we reopen the buildings? And we are, you're going to be hearing more about that in the coming weeks about us reopening the in-person live gatherings. And I just want to encourage you, church, let's do this well and let's do this together. You know, there's gonna be some people who are gonna say, day one, I'm there. Man, I mean, I can't wait. I need it, I'm an extrovert, right? I need it, I wanna come, I wanna worship, I wanna be there. There's gonna be some people who are gonna say, hey, you know what? I'm probably not gonna be there day one. I'm a little nervous, you know. I've got somebody in my family whose kind of health is compromised, and I, and I want to be sure and take care of them and protect him. Either way, it's okay. We're all on the same team. It's okay. You know, it's like a restaurant, right? You want to go sit down and have the dining experience, great. You want to take takeout, great. We've got online take takeout, right? I mean, however it works for you. But let's do this together. You know, and there's so many ways that people are going to come in and go, oh, what about this or that, or, you know, gloves or masks or kids or those things. We're all going to work on it together. We're going to be unified. And as a church, we're going to come back stronger in Christ. There is this call to unity, this call to unity. You know, Jesus, Jesus prayed for us. I don't know if you know that, but Jesus prayed for us. When he was praying for his disciples, he said, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us, right? And I pray that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Jesus' prayer for us was to be one, for us to be united, for us to be there for one another. That's the unity of the church. There is more that unites us than divides us. There's more that unites us than divides us. What unites us is the love of Christ. What unites us is that we were dead in our sins and our transgressions until God made us alive in Jesus. Woo, praise God. What unites us is we're all a work in progress. We're all growing in our faith. What unites us is this call to serve and to make a difference for the glory of God. That unites us together. You know what? We are called to love. We are called to love. Above all else, love, 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 love. And that's the defining characteristic of the church. Jesus said, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Not if you have great, you know, Bible studies, oh, that's important. If you have great teaching, oh yeah, that's great. Great worship, woo, yeah, awesome. Now, but if you love one another, then everybody will know you're my disciples. So how are we growing at love? Love for God, love for the church, love for one another. How are you growing in your love? And then notice this one. When ordinary people live out their faith, God impacts the world. When ordinary people live out their faith, God impacts the world. Hey, this guy's Stephen, right? But look at this. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. This guy, Stephen, or Procurus, and Philip, and I they're just living it out, just living it out. And the word of God spread. I love that. When more people served, right? When more people served, the church grew. When more people used their gifts, when people got off the sidelines and got in the game, God moved in a powerful way. God works through ordinary people, not just the apostles. And maybe you sit there and think, well, you know what? I'm not on church staff or I haven't been to seminary. No, 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 no. God's calling you. God's got a plan for you. God's got a purpose for you. God wants to use you in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your church. God's got a plan for you. God shines through you when you live for him. God shines through you when you live for him. Guys, I I, I love that. And I think it's so powerful, right? You think about Stephen. And when that Sanhedrin looked at him, they saw the face of an angel. And there's people in your life, right, that, you just look at them, and the way that they serve you, the way that they love you, it's just like looking at the face of an angel. And maybe you had a, a mom like that, or dad like that, and you just think about their face, and it's just like they light up, right? Or you had a nurse like that, or you had a teacher. You had somebody who cared about you, poured into you, and you just looked at them that way. But you know this, that when you serve, when you give, people see Christ in you. People see love in you. People see hope in you. And when you serve that way, God works through you for His glory. You know, this past week we went out and said, hey, we, we have 25 families in our community, in an underprivileged neighborhood, and, and they need some Chromebooks. They need a Chromebook for their family so that their kids can have online learning because, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen with school in the fall. And, and we just put it out on social media, and like within two hours, you know, church, you stepped up and gave generously, and we had all of these Chromebooks come in so that we could give to these kids and to these families, and I just sat there and teared up, and it wasn't the staff, and it wasn't other people, it wasn't outsourced, it was you. It was you. It's you who's praying, it's serving, and and reaching out to doctors and nurses and people on the front line. It's you who's praying for teachers and and helping out and just being the hands and feet of Christ every single day. And that's our call. God wants to work through you. God's called you and invited you to be a part of his greater story. And so where are you today? Maybe today you just go, you know what, there's something missing in my heart. That's the Lord. That's God drawing you into a relationship with him. That's God inviting you in. Today, would you just say, God, I want to know you. I want to be a follower of yours. I need help. I need hope. I need Jesus. You pray and say, Jesus, forgive my sins. Redeem me, restore me. I'm yours. Maybe today you go, you know what? I've kind of been sitting on the sidelines. It's time for me to engage. It's time for me to grow deeper in my faith. It's time for me to be a person of love and a person of grace. It's time for me to extend love to my family, and my friends. God, use me. Here I am. God, use me. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, that God is calling you and that God loves you. You are precious to him. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Every day you are precious to him. Would you just open your heart to him right now and say, God, I'm yours. Let me pray for us right now. Father God, we come before you, Lord, we need you. Father, we thank you for church and God, that we're not alone in this world, that you've given us your son and that you join us together in a a family, the body of Christ. And God, I thank you, Father, for the call that you've placed on every one of us to love and to serve. Father, I pray right now for people out there who need hope and help, and I pray that you would meet them. I pray for people who have prayer requests, that they would turn them in and know that they're gonna be prayed for and they're gonna be encouraged. I pray that you would answer every prayer right now that's being prayed in our hearts and our lives. So God, we need you. Thank you for what you have done and thank you for what you will do. And bless your church, Father, and grow us stronger and deeper in our relationship with you. And use us, God, for your glory in our day and our generation. And to you be glory forever and ever. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.